Hello, and welcome to Friends for Life, a podcast of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod's Life Ministry. We're sharing the stories and insights of real people living out God's love for the people He's created. We hope you'll stick around and be our friends for life. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Steph Nugebauer. Joining me today are Deaconess Erin Bauer, Mrs. Gwen Zagor, and Deaconess Dr. Tiffany Manor. This is the dream team here, ladies. All of you women are very dear to me and have known me throughout different seasons of my life. In fact, Gwen Zagor has known me for the longest amount of time, probably since I was a a fifth grader or so. Erin and I went to seminary together. We went through seminary classes together while our husbands were getting ready to, to be pastors as well. And then, of course, Tiffany, who I have gotten to work with and have really come to love. So thank you, all three of you, for being here to be my guests today. So we're going to be tackling a very fun topic, a topic my family spends a lot of time thinking about and praying about, and that is the role of godparents. And so, listeners, if you are a godparent, if you have godparents, If you've been baptized, then this episode is for you. I'm going to give each of you a chance to introduce yourselves, and then we'll we'll get going. Tiffany, can you start first? Sure. I I think you've uh, shared a little bit about me and my vocation uh, in other podcast episodes, but as the director of Life Ministry, one of the greatest blessings that I have is getting to know um, the really thousands of people across the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, who are um, uh, passionate and active and engaged in, in life ministry. And that's a, a true joy. It's uh, been a couple of years now I've been serving in this role. Um, but then other vocations in, in life, I'm, I'm married um, to Jonathan, who's a pastor. We have five kids and one granddaughter who is um, a, a joy to have a, a next generation in, in our family. And we're also godparents to five children. So that's a blessing too. They're all really getting to be um, grown-up godchildren now. Um, let's see, the youngest is uh, just turned 14. Yeah. And then the oldest, uh, 26. So that's just a little bit about me. Gwen, if you would introduce yourself. Sure. I'm Gwen Zagor. And uh We'd moved here to St. Louis about four years ago because my husband is the director of national mission here at the International Center. Um, we lived in Michigan for about 30 years where he was a pastor, and that's where we met Stephanie up in Traverse City and her whole family. What a, what a blessing they are to know. Uh, we have four grown kids, and Chris and Leah have our grandson, Harrison, who's three, and Elise and Johnny. Um, and Faith all still live in Michigan. And then Katie and Christian just had a baby who just turned three months old. And what a blessing it is to be able to go to Ohio and visit Harrison or South Carolina and, and spend some time with little Ellie. It is such a joy to have those little grandkids. And I don't have an actual career here. I substitute teach at an early childhood center. <laughs> and uh, I still play my clarinet for church and I'll do about anything anybody asks me to that's got to do with being outside. <laughs> Gwen is so humble. She's like one of the smartest women I know. She has all of these areas of expertise. So there's music and, and there's like earth sciences and um, she's really humble. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think you left out the part about you being a cartographer in your <laughs> early years and then also working with soil. Yeah, I used to have a map publishing company. Yes, I did. Um, I made road commission maps for different counties in Michigan back when you used to do it by hand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I gave that up when it became computerized. But yeah, I have a degree in natural resource management and soil science. And um, that has actually been a blessing to us throughout our life as pastor and family because it seemed like every time we got in a position where we weren't sure where the funds were going to come from as as my husband so kindly says you got a job in dirt (laughs) (laughs) and then i was so blessed to be part of the east african agricultural consultancy team right before covid i spent about um, four weeks in kenya 
And I'm hoping that I'll be able to do that again, spreading the gospel and helping to educate them somewhat in conservation farming. And it was an amazing experience. Yeah. Wonderful. Yes. Thank you for including that. (laughs) And Erin, can you introduce yourself? Sure. I'm happy to. I am on the opposite end of you guys. I am living in Brookings, South Dakota. My husband is a pastor here at Mount Calvary Lutheran Church, and he's been here about five and a half years. So this is Micah's first call out of the seminary, and it has been um, an amazing blessing to us. We love it here in South Dakota. I had never even set foot in the state of South Dakota before he received this call. So I was a little bit of a mess on call day, but it has been just a wonderful blessing. So we are so thankful to be here now. We have three littles. Our oldest is five and our youngest will be eight months old. And then we have a little boy in the middle, Gideon. He is two. So Jonah is five. Elizabeth is eight months old and Gideon is two. They keep me busy most of the time. I laughed when Steffi reached out and said, you know, with, with some of your hobbies, as you know, as the we're in, it's hard to even come up with what hobbies we have. <laughs> but I, I was thinking my hobbies are probably trying new recipes because I have to cook for all of these mouths every single day, multiple times a day. <laughs> so if I can find a new recipe that makes everyone happy, that's a good hobby for me to have. So. It's a very life-giving hobby. That's for sure. (laughs) That's right. We homeschooled Jonah, so he's still technically pre-K, so we um, take it easy with him. We are part of a homeschool community here in our town. We just keep ourselves busy with our little ones and activities at church and get outside when we can. That's great. Thank you all so much for, for being here with me. Uh, like I said, this is a really fun, fun topic, at least in my view, and I hope listeners will have a fun time listening to this. Mostly my my hope is that we can talk about what it means to be a godparent, uh, the joys that, that that brings, some creative ways that godparents can be involved in the lives of their godchildren. We have been blessed for our kids to have really awesome and involved godparents, and we hope to reciprocate that for our nine godchildren so far. But before we get into that, I'm hoping to have a, a just a, a brief overview of what Lutherans believe baptism to be. And I think we're we're all between two deaconesses and two pastor's wives. We're going to be capable of, of answering that. So what do Lutherans believe about baptism? Baptism is how we receive what Jesus won for us on the cross. He promises forgiveness and salvation there in baptism. Mark 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And he commands it in Matthew 28, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He wanted on the cross for us. Baptism is where we get those gifts. Sounds like you know your Luther small catechism well. Well, I try. <laughs> <laughs> yes, beautifully said in the explanation in Luther's small catechism. What is baptism? It works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this as the words and promises of God declare. And that is done simply with the water and the word applied to an infant, applied to a child, applied to an adult, all gift, a means of grace by which we receive Christ's forgiveness and eternal life. I think one thing, particularly for people who are uh, maybe new to Lutheranism or aren't Lutherans, um, that they don't consider about baptism is that baptism is not uh, an event or an activity that happened in the past. It's, it's our present state in, in the small catechism, and, and Luther reflected on this often, and, and Lutherans throughout the ages will talk about the, the daily remembrance of our baptism and that the strengthening and the forgiveness that we have in, in the sacraments. But, you know, that the, the response is, and I think it was, it's uh, Dr. Jeff Gibbs who emphasizes this so, so nicely and so succinctly. He talks about, you know, on, on a daily basis, I, I am baptized, not I was baptized. I am baptized. Mm-hmm. It's present tense in our lives. In, in addition to, we, we know that that was um, an act that 
that brought us into God's kingdom, where faith was actually conveyed through that washing with the waters. And so really great imagery there with the washing and the water. And we can look all through scripture and see all of these baptism themes that even go into the Old Testament. But boy, I could talk a lot of time about that. If you see washing in in, um, the scriptures anywhere, think baptism. (laughs) Big, big theme of the scriptures. Yeah. Because this is a show called Friends for Life. And we discuss life issues on this show. Why would you consider baptism, God parenting, having God children, a life issue? First off, I listened to several of the past episodes. And since Dr. Gibbs is like the most quotable guy ever, right? And everybody loves him and wants to talk about him all the time. I'm specifically remembering you having a conversation with him. and asking like what are life issues and that boiled down to like everything is a life issue right so obviously being a godparent is a life issue but what else gives life other than our baptism i mean that's where we become part of god's family where we receive the gift of eternal life that jesus won for us so of course it's a life issue because we're given life in christ through our baptism. Amen. <laughs> yeah, baptism conveys life, life eternal in Christ. So, of course, baptism is a, a life issue. And for all of the other life issues that we're very concerned about and that we um, speak up for and we, and we teach about, we share Christ's mercy in, it, baptism is important as well because that's part of, of uh, the Holy Spirit's work. So we, we often look at life issues and we talk about God creating life and God valuing life. Um, so in that, it's the, the work of God the Father, the uh, first article of the creed. And then we talk about uh, life is, is important and valued because Jesus laid down his life. He carried our, our sins and was crucified to forgive us and was resurrected that we would have eternal life. So that, you know, that's the, the work of the second person of the Trinity, the second article of the creed. Well, in life issues, the, the, the Holy Spirit, the, the third article of the creed, you know, this is a, a way that life is, is conveyed through baptism. And we could talk about the other sacraments as, as well. But, you know, so in, in all of these life issues, the fullness of God is at work through um, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's also why baptism is a, a crucial part of the discussion on, on life issues, whether it's people with disabilities and how th- their baptism too is conveying life and, and strength for them, or all of the, the, the people who on their deathbed are remembering their baptism and resting in their baptism as they end out their days. So, so baptism is a, a life issue because it conveys eternal life, but it's also a part of all of the other life issues as well. Yeah, as you reference the creed, we declare in the third article of the creed that it's the Holy Spirit's work who, through baptism, through faith, brings us into the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, and our life together as a communion of saints is caring for each other and making sure that we protect that life and that we see that life as given by God and redeemed by him, sanctified through him, and it all begins at baptism. So let's dive into baptism sponsors. Tiffany, you said you have five godchildren. Is that correct? Five. Four boys, one girl. Okay. Gwen, what's your tally? Four. Four. Three are siblings, and then a boy who is now 33, 32. (laughs) <laughs> wow. Okay. Erin, what about you? Um, we have five. However, my brother and his family did something unique. They kind of sat us all down. All of our siblings were all part of the LCMS still, thankfully. And they said, we're not picking any particular sponsors for our children, but we expect all of you to step up and all of you to keep us accountable. So, just to beat your tally, Stephanie, if I wanted to count them as well, then I would could say we have 10. <laughs> so, wow. That's 10. A, I love that. Yeah. It's a great yeah. thing for him. Yeah. Awesome. Do we have a preference about calling people godparents, baptism sponsors? They're the same, right? Is there a difference? 
Yeah, I I tend to lean toward using baptism sponsor personally. Just first off, because that's kind of how it's referenced in the hymnal is it says the planting of baptismal sponsors. And then also, Micah and I were discussing as we were as I was preparing for this. I think that the godparent word tends to have this connotation. At least in when I was a kid, I remember people talking about their godparents and who would take them if their parents died. And I think it's kind of a wider used term, which doesn't mean that it's not worth using, I guess. But just that we're speaking specific of our baptism sponsors. Godparent, I think, has this other connotation to it, to me at least. I remember when our yeah. one of our older children was being baptized, and then we were asking a family member if they'd be a godparent, and and they specifically asked us that, They're like, well, what are you asking us for? Are you asking us to raise your children if something happens to you, like take them into our home and raise them, or are you asking us to nurture them in their faith? So we came up against that uh, kind of understanding of of um, godparents as as the guardian if something should happen to the parents. So, I, I, you know, there is some interchangeability in that terminology, but it's probably good to clarify. When I was a child, it was the same way. Godparents were to take you into their home if your parents died. That's what it was for. But, you know, that being said, our children's God's parents, we refer to them as their godfather or godmother, but... We do the same. Aaron, right? I think, Aaron, I think that's a good point, though. It's what the hymnal says baptismal sponsors i think that that is it's so much easier to use the word oh godmother godfather godparent when in conversation that is easier how do you refer to a woman who is your baptismal sponsor or a man who is your baptismal sponsor it's like it's a mouthful right so it is easier to say godparent godmother godfather but just referring back to the right uses baptismal sponsor one of our godchildren, she called me for a long time her baptism holder because I held her while she was baptized. <laughs> oh, that's cute. That's her heart. <laughs> and I'm sure you didn't correct her because no. <laughs> you also literally were that. And in a yes, sense, that's kind of your role too, right? So yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with with all that said. So I don't I don't have a lot to add other than you will hear in the, even in the secular world, people giving their children godparents. And when I hear that, I'm thinking I can guarantee that that we wouldn't be talking about the same thing that they were there at yes. this child's baptism. And so I think while it's safe to say those terms are under the realm of what we would consider audiophora, we also call our our children's godparents their baptism sponsors to be very specific and to remind them all in the same breath of their role and then what happened to them when they were infants and then of course their baptismal life day to day it's good to use specific terms when you can especially with 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 little kids Aaron you mentioned the baptismal rite what does it say in our hymnal in terms of what is the role of a baptism sponsor why does the church have them? And how do they help parents in bringing up the baptized in the faith? Yeah, I think there are some key points. And we were talking about the secular world and appointing godparents. But first off, I think it's important to point out that in the baptism rite, it specifically mentions that they should confess the faith expressed in the Apostles' Creed. So we referenced the Apostles' Creed earlier as well. So good job, guys. But I think first off, we're not picking baptism sponsors to take our children when they die. We're not picking God, fairy godmothers or God, you know, those kinds of relationships, just a fun aunt type of relationship or uncle type of relationship. But it's somebody who actually expresses the faith of the Apostles' Creed believes the same things that we believe about baptism and that is taught in the small catechism so that's in the right as well that is an important point so expressing the faith of the apostles creed taught in the small catechism but then they're there to pray for them to encourage them in their faith to watch them as they grow i remember my godparents coming into town for my confirmation you know to be there supporting me 
as I was growing in the faith and taking and making that confession of faith. And then most of all, being an example of the faith, somebody who's in church, who reads their Bible, who's setting an example of what a Christian is and who is loving other people and showing them the Christian life that's outside of the parent's job. You know, it's obviously the parent's job to do that as well. You know, Aaron, it's interesting you brought up the parents. My husband, I think maybe in his first year or two in, in ministry after he was ordained, pointed out that in the baptism rite, the sponsors are making more promises than the parents. And they and he's like, These are these are really these are big promises. These are serious promises. And I, I uh, think maybe in some rites when it talks about the prayers, it, it even will say da- to daily remember them in your prayers. It, it depends maybe on, on the hymnal that a congregation might choose. So w- when you're agreeing to be a baptism sponsor, you you are making some really serious promises before God. And I think at that time we had two, uh, maybe, maybe two godchildren. And then the next uh, people who had asked us to be sponsors for their children, I took answering that question with a little more um, serious thought of like, wow, um, they're asking something um, very important uh, of me and I'm going to vow before God to do these things. Am, am I really am I really going to take those words to heart and to do them? A little bit of law there for me, you know, to, to, to really engage them if I'm, if I'm going to um, be a good and a, and a true um, baptismal sponsor and, and godmother to, to commit to these things. In the hymnal verbatim, it says, if I may read, from ancient times, the church has observed the custom of appointing sponsors for baptismal candidates and catechumens. So this is not something new that the church has come up with. This is something that we've done from ancient times. In the Evangelical Lutheran Church, sponsors are to confess the faith, as Aaron said, expressed in the Apostles' Creed and taught in the small catechism. They are, whenever possible, to witness the baptism of those they sponsor. They are to pray for them, support them in their ongoing instruction and nurture in the Christian faith, and encourage them toward the faithful reception of the Lord's Supper. And I might add, this is not only to the point of Confirmation Day, Onward after Confirmation Day. And they are at all times to be examples to them of the holy life of faith in Christ and love for the neighbor, as Aaron also stated, an example of the faith. I misspoke earlier because I said that there were two of us who are pastor's wives. All four of us are pastor's wives. And your husbands may have different practices at our churches, wherever we have been. My husband gives each of the baptism sponsors their own certificate and fills it out for them in hopes that they will keep it, even hang it up on their wall. And I think this is very helpful too. It, it lays out for them exactly what their role is so that they can remember it even after that hymnal is closed on the day of baptism. It, it says here, as a sponsor, I have promised to at all times remember the child in my prayers, as Tiffany had said, see that the child is brought up in the true knowledge of God, Give the child counsel and aid. And of course, if you're a sponsor of a, an adult, this applies as well. Bring the child to the service of God's house. So make sure that they are there as faithfully as possible, which would be every, every weekend, midweek services. Make sure that they are able to participate in the life of the church. Place the scriptures in the child's hands. Keep the child mindful of the baptism. See that the child is taught the Ten Commandments, the Creed, in the Lord's Prayer, and ensure further instruction in the Christian faith so that the child comes to the sacrament of Christ's body and blood. And so as Tiffany had said, those are a lot of promises and a lot of vows that a baptism sponsor is making the day of baptism and then needs to carry out, you know, really on a daily basis. And so in a way, kind of as Tiffany had said too, it's, it's a bit of law because this is a really big deal But not only is it a really big deal, it can also be really fun, too, because you get a special window into this infant's life, this child's life, and you get to be involved in a very special and unique way. And that comes with some responsibilities and responsibilities towards one another is what we're called to do as Christians. We've pretty much already answered a lot of this, but what would it look like to be a godparent from the time of infancy as they're growing up? into middle school, confirmation, 
what about adulthood? What do, what do we do for you, Tiffany and Gwen, who have more adult godchildren? What does that look like as they age? And my three godchildren that are siblings were adopted. And when they were baptized, they were somewhere like seven, nine, and 11 years old. They were baptized on Easter vigil. Like the the historic tradition. That's great. They also, at that point, at that moment, took their new names, their Christian names that they had chosen, and the names of their new adoptive parents. It was an amazing baptism. (laughs) Um, So they, they weren't little babies when they were baptized, but we made sure they had their own copy of the scriptures. We would send them things on their baptism birthday, such as child appropriate videos, you know, maybe even veggie tales or something, something like that, some Christian gift, hymn books. Well, this is something we do for our grandchildren too, but um, the babies, that the, there are some beautiful children's books that are illustrated that have the words of hymns, like God's own child, I gladly say it, baptismal birthday cards, and a personal note that changes as the child matures. So even though I sometimes forget the actual date that that Easter vigil was, every single approaching Easter vigil, I send those three kids a card with a note appropriate to them. Those three have some difficulties in their lives, not with their adoptive parents. They're wonderful. (laughs) And so I constantly remind them that they're a child of God. They're baptized. They're forgiven. It doesn't matter where they're going to end up in life. They always, always belong to Jesus. He will never let them go. And it's because of their baptism that they're in that position. And you can, when they're a little tiny, they don't understand those kind of words. But those are the things that you can, uh, your notes to them, your words to them, your gifts to them, mature as the child matures. That's such a beautiful way of, of really speaking the gospel to them, to remind them of their identity in Christ. We all need that, right? We need people to remind us who is we are, who we belong to, who it is that's active in our lives. Yeah, I think that is a, a little shift when when they're older. I've experienced some of the same things as Gwen. And even um, with my own children and watching their godparents stay in contact with them and how They've, they've been taught the faith. They've memorized and taken to heart so much of the scriptures and they're living out their faith as adults, but they do still need those re- reminders that they are loved uh, by God and by their baptism sponsors. And, you know, so being you know, present and part of their catechesis and confirmation day, but then going forward. And so we've now had uh, Godchildren be married. And while we do this for an, a number of, of weddings and family weddings, but with, when it's our Godchildren, we... Um, really make sure that the the shower gifts and the the wedding gifts are reminders of of Christ. Um, whether it's um, crosses to go on on um, their their walls, buying nativity sets as a shower gift as a common shower gift I I've given my godchildren in in particular, you know ways that they can have reminders around their home and what they can see. But but also I don't know almost a a shift to become a, a bit of a a prayer partner and using the ways that they communicate texting um, with some of my my godchildren, what can I pray for you about, and and um, things like that to to keep that relationship alive. I'm I'm not perfect at it. I'm not great by any means. Um, in fact, some of my children's godparents are better at this than I am, and I, I'm learning from my children's godparents. But my one daughter hasn't seen her one of her godmothers for maybe over a decade now, but she still knows her and and um she's active her godmother is active in her life and they text and she's like oh and she you know comments on my instagram and um she she knows that someone who's still supporting her in her faith that she could go to and um is a part of her life so i I think that's beautiful and it it will look different for everyone but i I think there's there's still plenty of opportunities even after the days of buying them the the bible story uh, books and the hymnal board books um those are all really important things to do but there's there's a whole walk of, of faith where we walk together. Katie's godfather is also a pastor and he was supposed to help preside over her wedding. So he was going to do the beginning of the wedding while my husband walked Katie up the aisle. Oh. However, it was COVID lockdown. 
<laughs> it didn't happen. That was sad. But of course he sent, you know, he sent his blessings and his prayers. But I mean, that was the plan to actually be part of his goddaughter's wedding. <laughs> well, what I'm hearing you say is that even into adulthood, you have a role as a baptism sponsor that really doesn't end. And it could take different forms from when they were infants or young children. But then your job remains to pray for them as often as they come to mind as the right says and and also to send reminders to them of the faith that they cling to in Christ because of their baptism. Yeah, I don't really see the expiration date on the right here and the promises that we've made. <laughs> And that's, yeah. that may um, sound a little little bit flippant, but, but really, I, I still pray for them continually. And I've, I have pictures uh, on, on the wall to remind me of them and, and to remind me to pray for them. Yeah, but all of these, these things and, and to encourage them towards the, the Lord's Supper. My godchildren have um, varying levels of involvement in the church. Uh, like, like with any witness that we have with, with anyone, we, we still um, point them to Christ and the reminders of the sacrament and, and pray for that, that they'll, they'll remain in the church and, and in the communion of, of all of the saints. So let's talk about some really practical ways, some, some creative ideas, maybe brainstorm a little bit so that listeners, if they hadn't thought of this before, could involve this in the way that they're involved in the life of their godchildren. And all of us have children, and then all of us are also baptism sponsors for children and also adults. So what are some ideas of specific ways that you can encourage them in the faith, be involved in their lives? Some of them have already been mentioned. I have a few key ideas, and this actually goes back to the baptism sponsors. So for our children's baptism sponsors, on the day of our child's baptism, we have given gifts to the baptism sponsors. And in those gifts, I've included a refrigerator magnet, which seems silly, but I just printed up a card that has what the hymnal says a baptism sponsor is. And then I've asked them ahead of time, they're all of their godchildren's names and baptism birthdays. And I've put those all on that card as well. And then just flipped it in a picture sized magnet so that it can hang on their refrigerator and they can see their godchildren's names and they can remember to pray for them and remember those duties. And again, as a mom who is busy, I'm in the kitchen all of the time. So to see something on the refrigerator is more likely to be seen and remembered and done than other things, other places in my home, a book on the shelf or something like that. Well, I wanted it to be something that's a visual that they can see all of the time to be reminded of those duties. And then I also usually include some sort of devotional or book for the Christian life in that gift as well, so that I can encourage them to continue learning and growing and practicing that faith that they are promising to help me with and help my kids with. So that is one idea. Now, when it comes to my godchildren, I am so thankful that one of our godchildren is actually at our church where we attend on a weekly basis, but most of them all are, are across the country, so I don't get to see them as often. The one that is here at our church, I love to turn, he sits behind us in church, so I love to turn around on Sundays when we sing the hymn that we sang on his baptism day and remind him of that day. I know that his parents are doing a good job in reminding him of his baptism, but just to talk to him as a person that's not his parents about what that day was and how special that day is. We've done all the hymn books that have been mentioned and things like that as gifts, but one of my favorite things that we've done is we will get Christmas for our, our godchildren for Christmas, and we send them one a different one each year so this is my my goal is that by the time they're adults and have their own families they will have a set of their own and they will have a christmas tree adorned in the symbols of the church that remind them of christ and that's something that can grow with them and they can use to hopefully teach their children the faith as well that's a that's a great idea mm -hmm. oh, i like that can yeah. you explain for people who don't know what is a chrisman 
So the chrismon is an ornament. It's a shape or a symbol of the church. So it might be a Cairo or it might be a baptismal shell or a lamb who is slain. There's so very many options and they can hang them on their Christmas tree. We get ours from Ad Crusum. They have wooden ones and they have the ones that we get are laser cut symbols. And then I always print off a card that explains what the symbol means as well so that they can keep those. However, Ad Crusum also just put out a book that has all of the Christmas that they make with the descriptions in there. So our daughter's godparent actually got her a Christmas. She's doing the same thing for our daughter, which is such an amazing thing. I She reached out to me and asked if it would be okay. And I said, absolutely. We actually do that for our godchildren as well. But she just went ahead and bought the book for our daughter. So she already has the book that then has all of the Christmas in it so that each year as she's building and then when she is an adult and has the whole book with all of the church symbols in them. Oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to steal that. I selfishly had you all on so that I could get more ideas about what to do for my godchildren for their baptism birthdays. That's really special, Erin. I got the idea kind of um, my godmother would always give me an ornament at Christmas time. But my mom and my aunt for my sister and then my mom for her goddaughter, they always got a piece of the nativity for Christmas as well. So they could build a nativity set by the time that they were older and have a a set of their own. We've done it with two of our our godchildren, not not all of them, where we gave them a piece of the nativity set each year for Christmas. So we could they could build it as um I think we started when they were a little bit older when they were could have things that were a a little more um, breakable. (laughs) And so that was something to, to get through their teen years. And then to have also, you know, shared about um, buying yet another, I have a number of nativity sets. I don't even know how many I have at home a lot. So some of the other ones have only received one nativity set from from us, but others, you know, have, have received, um, of our godchildren have received a couple. Um, so that's, that's kind of a, a neat thing to do as well. We've done something else that's just a little bit more unusual. And it has to do with like Steph was um, sharing about the certificate that her husband prepares for the sponsors. A, a practice that my husband had added to the baptisms at the church. And it's, it's not really that he added it. It was more a re- restoration of a historic practice of baptism. And that's a um, anointing with oil and, and sealing of the, the baptism. And it, it's really reflected in Ephesians chapter 1, um, verses 13 to 14, uh, which read, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. That's the verse that's on the um, anointing oil that uh, my husband has for each child who is baptized. And so in their baptism, they're um, anointed with that that oil on on their little heads. And um, then they receive um, a vial of that, that same oil to take home. And he encourages parents and their sponsors to mm-hmm. remind them of their baptism, both with making the same sign of the cross on their forehead and, and on their heart, but to use that oil and that, that way the child can smell it and feel it. And so he wasn't a pastor with some of our um, earlier godchildren. He uh, was a second career pastor. So uh, we didn't know about about that practice. Um, so it was, you know, kind of later, a, a later addition. And at the time it was a little harder to get a hold of some of the the oils that had been used but now i mean essential oils are everywhere super <laughs> super easy cuz you know they're consumable you use them up but um that that's been um a, a way of reminding um our our godchildren and our our children of their their baptism to use that anointing oil plus a whole lot of other people in the congregation um, whether it be children babies adults that my husband's baptized have have received that anointing oil as a um, reminder of the seal of their baptism, but then also helps the practice of anointing the sick too, and, and associating that anointing of the, of the ill with their baptism. Mm. That's uh, a little more unique, and, and again, it's it's a historic practice, but it's it's not as prevalent in the, the church today. We also um, worked out in advance with with the parents about when the Gata was ready for their first. Bible, that you know the the, mm-hmm. the full scripture, not the children's Bible, and 
we'd have to talk through it because maybe they wanted to be the ones to to provide them with their their first Bible. But with with some of our godchildren, um, we said it's, it's really important. We you know, we we said we would do this, and we and we we would really love to put the scriptures into their their hands as, uh, alongside you. And and so, you know, making gifts of Bibles when their parents said that they felt like they were ready for that, their um, reading level was. They could have their own Bible and tried to make a big deal out of like, oh, this is this is your Bible. And same thing with the the hymnal as well. Yeah, we've we've done personalized hymnals for our godchildren as they get older and are at a reading level. And so our oldest godchild, she takes her to church every Sunday. She uses it when they're doing their family devotions at home, and it's just so awesome to have seen her grow. From the time that I was just her little baptism holder <laughs> to now be, you know, able to use her hymnal and um, that that has been something that we got for her is pretty special. What do you mean by personalized hymnal? Is that something you write in or do you get to engrave on it? I got it engraved from CTH. So, yeah, I got just ordered the hymnal and then got her name, her first and middle name, as it is written in the Lord's book, the book of life. And then... I did write a note in, in front, too. So for those who aren't aware, CPH offers that where you can engrave names. I did not know about the hymnal. You can do it on Bibles. You can also apparently do it on hymnals, and that's really special. We also have done that for our godchildren. Yeah, that's Concordia Publishing House. And so you'd find it online at, um, by the, the acronym that we all kind of kind of toss off, www.c as in Concordia, P as in publishing, H as in house, dot O-R-G, so Concordia Publishing House, which is the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod's uh, publisher. And so, yeah, they have all kinds of, of resources. And the, the hymn books that Gwen and I have been talking about or our grandchildren, and, and I'm sure your children have them as well, that, that are board books to a, a, a child's first hymn, my first hymnal, um, up to the um, Lutheran service book that can be engraved and, and Bibles as well. They've really great line of, of gifts and publications and ways of, of marking special milestones in the faith and birthdays and, and gifts and those opportunities. We love the hymn books that Gloria Publishing has made. They have several hymns that have beautiful illustrations and then use the actual words of the hymns. And we use those every night in our household. So we love those and have gifted those to our godchildren as well. Yeah, thank you for that. We use those books daily in our house too. And it's so awesome that our five-year-old and our three-year-old know so many hymns by heart just because we make those books part of our regular routine. And if I can add to, this is no credit to myself. These were in most part due to people wiser than me who gave us either these ideas for our own godchildren or who do this for our children because they're their baptism sponsors. But a couple really other unique ideas is if a church does not provide baptism banners, which usually they will, but if they if they don't, if they don't make them for the child, that's another thing that if you're so gifted, you can do for your godchildren as well is is make a baptism banner for them. And what I'm talking about is it can look very different depending on the church, but essentially has their full name and then the date that they were baptized in, into Christ. And uh, for us, we hang that up in our children's wardrobe closet so that every day when they get dressed, they're reminded that they're clothed in Christ. We always are able to look at it, reference it, look at their names and be reminded of, of the day that they were baptized. As you mentioned, Erin, we have magnets in our fridge for every single God child that we have, and the date is on there for the day that they were baptized as well. We are sure to, as baptism sponsors, make a bigger deal out of their baptism birthday than out of the day that they were born from their mother's womb. And we see that as essential as baptism sponsors. What do we most want to highlight? We want to highlight the day that marked them as a child of God, where they were redeemed by Christ and washed in the water and in the word. So that can look like a number of different things, but often also churches give baptism 
candles to each of the baptism candidates. And so we encourage them and their parents to light that candle the same time of the year. And we make sure that they have the God's Own Child, I gladly say it, book by Gloria. And we sing that for them on their baptism birthdays. And we sing it to our own children on their baptism birthdays. We make our children baptism brownies where we have this cross-shaped pan and we make brownies and they always know they're going to get baptism brownies that day. And so for our own children, truthfully, we try to make that day more of a deal than what their actual birthday is. It's very countercultural. It's not what the world does. It's not what people feel comfortable doing, but that's what That's what we have chosen to do. We give each of our own children a faith chest. And for us, that looks like a wooden box with their name on it and a cross. And inside their faith chest, they have their baptism certificate. They have pictures of their baptism day. And of course, their daddy was holding them when they were baptized. So that's extra special for them to see. We we take a picture every year of us celebrating their baptism birthday so they can see how they've grown from one year to the next, and we always bring that faith chest out. Also in their faith chest, we write prayers for them every year, like Gwen had said. So a specialized note as they keep growing every year that's written in a prayer form of what we pray for them for the year to come. And it's always centered on Christ and knowing Him and growing wise unto salvation. We teach our children early on as encouraged by their baptism sponsors, the Ten Commandments, and the creeds. And so my children at ages five and three know at least through (laughs) commandments one through five, and we're working on those and explanations. And it's crazy how fast kids can learn that. They do. They they commit this to heart so early. They do. It's it's been amazing to me. My kids have learned the Lord's Prayer before the age of, of 20 months. Yeah. So parents listening, they can do it. They can do it. You have to feed them with it. And it's there and their hearts are are right for listening because they have the Holy Spirit inside of them who encourages them in the faith, the great comforter and encourager. Erin, as as you had said, I love the opportunity when I can sit with my godchildren from out of town. And I'm specifically thinking of my, my two little nieces because every time the pastor does the invocation, I turn to them as I do my own children every Sunday and I make the sign of the cross on their foreheads to mark them and remind them that they are redeemed by Christ. And that's something we do for our children every night before they fall asleep, is give the sign of the cross and to remind them that Jesus loves them, that he's with them, and that they always belong to him. did that same thing. And you know, it was so sweet when um, the kids would actually start to cross us back. <laughs> yes. So I'm, I'm making the sign of the cross on, on you know my three-year-old's forehead and on her heart, and she makes the sign of the cross on my forehead as well. Now, now this is like 20 years ago. <laughs> But yeah, it, it is so sweet. And and Steph, I, I want to tag on to what you were talking about with the godchildren who are far away. And um, now, you know, some of Aaron's were as well. Not not all of them are there in your congregation. We actually, as the kids got older and um, they were able to um, be apart from mom and dad a little bit, we used some some special times like vacation Bible school as, as opportunities to have them come and stay with us. And we could take our godchildren to um, to church for vacation Bible school and, and get to have those those really precious times together with them. Or on, on vacation, if we were vacationing together, you know, we would get to sit in, in the pew with them. But to have those opportunities um, together to be in the Lord's house were really precious moments. And, and even if we're far away, to find ways to make it happen a few times throughout a, a childhood. And it will be likely remembered forever. If someone comes and stays in your home for a week and gets to go to your church's VBS and gets to sit with you in the pews, that's not a memory that's easily forgotten. That's really special. I was telling you, Stephanie, when we were talking prior to the episode, but I always did that in middle school when my godparents moved away when I was in late elementary school. And then I would go spend a week with them every summer at their house and they had a room at their house that they said was my room and we have so many memories and actually we were they live in St. Joseph, Michigan so that's my glimpse of where you guys are from Gwen and Stephanie but we would travel up to Traverse (laughs) City and we would do all kinds of fun things there in the beautiful er area that beautiful area of Michigan so that just meant so much to me you know as a young child to have that influence and to spend that extra special time with them. 
Yeah, we're not officially sponsored by uh, the Pure Michigan campaign, <laughs> but Michigan is a wonderful place to visit, yeah. as Gwen knows. It is the Lord's country. And so if you can take your godchildren to Michigan, extra bonus points. Erin, <laughs> you and I, as having younger kids at the moment, are still kind of in the process of having children, choosing baptism sponsors. What are some things that you consider for your own children when choosing baptism sponsors for them? For our oldest, we chose my sister and her husband to be godparents for him. Um, But then, you know, you always get wiser as you have more children, right? So after that, we thought about um, having baptism sponsors that were actually part of our congregation where we were attending at the time. Now, being a pastor's family, that there's a chance that that might not be the case. But for our younger our other two, they have godparents who are part of our congregation and sit in the pews with us every Sunday. That is so amazing. It's just wonderful to have um, that model of those baptism sponsors there every Sunday. Our daughter specifically has a single lady, so she doesn't have her own children. She's not married, and she is just so attentive to our daughter. But she also has a one of her godfathers had special needs. And the reason I bring this up is because his joy in receiving the Lord's gift and being in the Lord's house every Sunday is something that I want my daughter to emulate. And so when we talked earlier about what a baptism sponsor is to do and the example that they are supposed to set, he does that so beautifully. I just think when we're choosing lovely to have the family members that are across the country that'll be there always you know but to also have baptism sponsors that are part of the congregation where we are that are setting that example from week to week basis and you know that my kids actually see walk to the lord's table and receive his gift in person now obviously you can still make that impression and encourage from far away and send gifts through the mail, but to see that from week to week means a lot. And so I'm so thankful that we have that for our, for our two. And um, obviously our, the whole body of Christ sets that example, right? But um, the special relationship that you have as a godparent or as a baptismal sponsor then can make that impression even more. Thank you for adding that. Yeah, so for, for anybody listening who has yet to consider sponsors for their children. You don't necessarily have to choose your sister or brother, especially if they're not faithful members of a church and don't confess the creed and know the Lord's Prayer and can teach the catechism to your children. It's wise to choose people who your children can can look at, whether it's in your own congregation or just see by example regularly that their life is bound up in the life of the church. It's a great thing to consider choosing baptism sponsors that are in your own congregation. And then if you feel it's necessary to include a family member, they can always be added as a witness to the baptism. So kind of given a role without given that official role that we see in our hymnals baptismal rite. Well, we have given some really good ideas to each other. We have hopefully given some great uh, ideas to our listeners. So thank you, all three of you, for being my guests today. Thanks so much, Steph. Thanks, this Steph. is a great conversation and a, a great topic for us to, to talk about. Yep. <laughs> well, thank you. It was so great to join all of you today. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. And don't forget to click the follow or subscribe button so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. New episodes drop twice each month. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as Friends for Life LCMS. And finally, listeners, we want to hear from you. Do you have an idea about a guest you'd like to hear from or a topic you want talked about? Email us at friendsforlife at lcms.org. We want to hear from you about what you want to hear about when it comes to issues of life. Thanks for joining us. Friends for Life is a podcast that introduces listeners to life issues by introducing them to friends who stand for life. 